0: A song that somebody wrote about my testimony. So, <laughs> this one. I don't think that's on the. I think I don't think the text is up there. Probably just says reference, but we'll make sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to read the. Uh, our text today is from Genesis chapter 3, at least the first one. We've got three texts we'll read because uh did want to put all the verses on the PowerPoint for the sake of space. But uh, Genesis chapter 3, I'll read the first seven verses. You can follow along. Familiar story to us, but gives us a springboard to what we're going to talk about. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the, every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch, touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew not that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You know what, a familiar story but every time we read it all kinds of just applications jump out of it and truths jump out to us and uh, you know, their temptation was to eat forbidden fruit. But when we read that, every temptation that we have, it's the same same old thing, isn't it? And the same thing to, that that Satan works. And so we've talked about some great things I think about grace. And the last uh, four lessons was the was the kind of grace that God gives, and uh, uh, saving grace, serving grace, sanctifying grace. And then uh, suffering grace. And then today we're going to talk about three Old Testament examples for grace. And next week we'll talk about three New Testament examples. We can give so, so many more. But in the way of introduction, Romans 15.4 reminds us that the Old Testament is the Christian's textbook for learning. The Bible says everything that was written in the Old Testament was for our learning. And by the way, that has to be the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written. Paul didn't have the New Testament in his hand when he said that. He said the Scriptures, everything in the Scripture was written so I could learn something for my example. And uh, tell you what, Christians who don't study the Old Testament are missing out on that. We we haven't the faintest idea what we're supposed to do with the New Testament because we didn't read, read didn't read the textbook. That's our example. And so, especially in the subject of grace. Man, when we read through the Old Testament, as I'm doing now, and many of you are doing, if it wasn't for God's grace, we wouldn't be sitting here this morning. God just kept having grace and having grace and having grace. All those great, great stories. And so, actually, this is the first mention of God's grace in the Bible. It wasn't the first act of God's grace. We have to go back way into eternity to talk about God's grace. One act of God's grace was He kicked Smutty Face out of heaven, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the devil rebuked His authority. So, thank God He did that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, God got rid of Satan out of heaven. So one day we'll go to heaven where there'll be no more sin. So, again, this is a, this is a deep step, too deep for me to think about. That's for sure. And then, so but this is the first uh, time we see grace. In the Bible, because it was the first time grace was needed in the Bible. So thank God that uh, when we need grace, God's there to give it to us. So our first example is obviously Adam and Eve. I just go through these. Uh, Everybody's familiar with this, but uh, such great (laughs) truths. first bullet there is they chose the devil over God, but God still chose them. The Satan... And the former of the servant came and, and lied to them. That was the first lie, by the way, we find in the Bible. Not the first lie ever told. The first lie ever told was back in eternity. When Satan said, "I'll, use, I'll take the place of God," that was a big lie. He couldn't do that. So, but this is the first lie that's recorded for us. The, and Satan lied. He's the, he's the author of lies. He's the father of lies. And so he lied to them said, if you do this, you'll be cool. If you eat this, you'll be wise. And and God's an old legalistic mean father, and uh, he doesn't want you having any fun. And so if you do this, you'll just just be great. Uh, Again, the same lie, same temptation, the same sin. So they sinned, and they chose the devil over God. And let me just say what most of us know. That's what sin is. Sin is choosing the devil over God. You know, we like to make a list of sin. People like to try to figure out what sin is. Every sin is choosing the devil over God. And when we don't do right, we chose the devil over God. When we lie, we chose the devil over God. When we think an unholy thought or when we do something that God's not pleased with, all we did was choose the devil over In other words, we chose the God of this world. That's blasphemy. So people get all excited. <coughs> they God judge them for eating fruit. No, God didn't judge them for eating fruit. They ate the fruit because they worshiped the false god. They worshiped the god of this world. That's blast. That's that's as low as you can get. It's as sinful as you get. That's why their sin was just as bad as murder, adultery. That's why our sin is just as bad because when we sin, it's choosing God, uh, it's choosing the devil as our god over God. So it all, it's all the same. It's the same sin as a Hindu who worships an idol. They chose the devil over God. So. But God, the Bible says, came to them, and God came to them. Isn't that wonderful grace? God came and searched them out, because if he hadn't have done it, they would have just stayed hid. They would have just thought they had good sense and stayed away from God. But uh, God sent them, and uh, it's still amazing today that God's, and his grace goes after people. And the way God goes after people is usually through people. And so many people that I know that God has sent us to this week. So many people I've talked to since I've been here <laughs> for Freedom Fest that I know that God sent me. And I had one person that he would just going on about God, didn't care for him. And you know, you've heard talk to people like that. Where was God when I need this? And <laughs> I was able to say, right here, God sent me. God sent me. Talk to you because he knew you were here. He knew that that uh, you you needed to hear about his love. So that that is grace. Okay. Second bullet: Their lives were spared due to future grace. Their lives were spared due to future. They were on borrowed grace. <coughs> they borrowed future grace. Uh, Genesis three uh, fifteen. God said that. Uh, <laughs> This is the prophecy that Jesus would come and uh, Satan would damage Jesus. Satan would certainly cause Jesus pain by uh, causing wicked people to nail him to the cross, but Jesus would crush Satan. Uh, s- Jesus was bruised for our iniquities, but he crushed Satan. And in theology, we call this the proto evangelium from Latin first gospel. And the first mention of the gospel is in, was when man first sinned, that God would send forth his Son, and that uh, Jesus would come, be born of a virgin, suffer on the cross, and crush the works of, of Satan. So their lives were spared to future grace. By the way, that all Old Testament saints, that's, that all Old Testament saints were saved on future grace. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. They were all saved on borrowed grace. <coughs> uh, they, were just, they, were, they were just like in a, in a holding cell, as it were. And that's why this is another long subject cannot get into. But uh, that's why the Old Testament saints went to paradise. They didn't go to heaven. That's why Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you shall be in paradise. And then when Jesus rose from the grave, paradise was emptied. And those souls that were saved on borrowed grace were able to go to heaven. So Jesus, the Bible says, we've already talked about that that verse. He was delivered for our iniquities, and he was raised for our justification. So Jesus had to rise from the grave for they could get their final salvation. But thank God for this promise that God gave them, gave to every person in the Old Testament who would trust in the blood sacrifice, that pictured God's son. Okay, next, they were redeemed by the death of another. <laughs> the Bible reminds us that they were redeemed by the death of another. Let's see. Don't have the verse there, but the verse, the, the verse that we're looking for is that God, uh, they made coats of skin. They gave, made coats, covered themselves with fig leaves, but God shed the blood of the lamb and gave them <coughs> coats of skin to cover them. So it took the death of that lamb. It took the death of that animal to provide for their salvation. So, again, what a great picture of that proto-evangelism. Somebody else had to die for their salvation. Someone had, else had to die uh, to give them life. Uh, Genesis three twenty-one is, a, I think, a, probably the verse there, but I don't think that's the right one. But... Uh, yeah, and to add Yes, and to Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So the question would be who, who was the first person to sacrifice the lamb? It was God. That's why God said to Abraham, said to, uh, uh, don't kill your son Isaac for uh, I will provide the lamb. So God provided the lamb. It took this death. It was the picture of again of God giving his only son to die their sins. What a beautiful doctrinal prophecy there we have in this great scripture. And then we go to our go to verse we've been talking about, about Jesus. God made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. And Ephesians 1 7 reminds us that we have redemption through his blood. So the lamb was shed. It made the covering for them, again, which is atonement. We've talked about that before. Uh, In the Old Testament, they had atonement. That is, their sin was covered. In the New Testament, we have justification. Our sins are washed away forever by the blood of Jesus. That was all pictured by this uh, God making them clothes to cover their nakedness. This is a good tip here. I use this so many times because going to India, Indians pride themselves that Hinduism is the oldest religion, and it does go back about 5,000 years, but the <laughs> that's not the oldest religion. By the way, that's a good thing to say to Islam, because Islam is only not even 2,000 years old, so we know that Islam is not the oldest religion. So the, they can, uh, That's false already, so we know that they can't go back to claim the oldest religion. But this is the oldest religion. The oldest religion was a lamb being slain. That's the oldest religion. That's God's religion. And by the way, the oldest religion isn't Christianity. Christianity is what we call that. The oldest religion is the lamb being slain. The blood was shed. God picturing that his son would come and redeem the world. And so how many times have I been able to use that and tell someone, that, do you know what the oldest religion is? This is the oldest religion. Because every everybody who has a religion, it all goes. Every religion goes back to sacrifices. The Muslims sacrifice. The Hindus sacrifice, and they still do it because they don't have the real sacrifice. So, what a great, uh, great, <coughs> soul-winning tool that is. Okay, next we have next example is King David. And Pastor Luke and has heard me say this, and anybody else has heard me teach through the years. Uh <coughs> I. Love reading the Bible. I read the Bible every day. I read the Bible through every year. I love reading through the Old Testament, just made that clear. But uh, when I get to 2 Samuel, I don't want to read the Bible. I, it's just a sad, sad thing. Not only because I see David's sin, but it reminds me of my sin. It should remind all of us of our sin. So, I just hate to get to 2 Samuel, because my hero is going to fall. <laughs> the, one that, uh, the one that slew the giant, uh, the one that wrote all those psalms, the one who, as we'll see here, the man after God's heart broke God's heart. The man after God's heart broke God's heart. Tell you, that's a sad thing, isn't it? And those of us who've been Christians for any time, if you've been Christian any time, You've had somebody that you looked up to that broke God's heart, and it may it probably broke our hearts too. And uh, if I, I shared a little bit of, this, bit of this at camp, I may share some of my last Sunday here, but it's uh, only by the grace of God that I'm standing here, because I tell you what, when I was a new Christian, so many things happened that would make me say what other people say. If that's what church does, I don't want to go there. Uh, that's what the man of God does. I don't want to go there, but thank God I matured and I understand that it's Jesus I worship. <laughs> it's Jesus who died for me, and it's only Jesus who's perfect. And I've said this often before. I used to criticize preachers who quit the ministry. Now I just am amazed they stay in the ministry. <laughs> uh, so before you criticize some, this is free. Before you criticize a. A man of God who falls, uh, thank God that they, thank God they did something. Amen. I respect somebody more who messes up than somebody who was a coward and never even started to do something in the first place. So, but anyway, I just had to say that I so sad to get when we get to, to to the man after God's own heart, who broke uh, God's heart. I wish this story wasn't in the Bible, but I tell you what. I, I don't think I'd be able to even function if it wasn't for Psalm 51. Uh, I know there's a lot of people I've witnessed to I couldn't have done it truthfully without Psalm 51. And uh, so as much as I don't wish this wasn't in the Bible, I need, this, I need this psalm right here. I need to see that the best of men can blow it and God will forgive them. I need to see that. I need to see, no matter what you've done, I was, said this in the first lesson, I was watching the news this week, a wicked thing somebody done. And if I was God, I would not have grace on that person. In my mind, that person should go to prison for life, which he should do anyway, and in my mind, that person should go to hell and burn forever. I mean, it's just wicked. So thank God I'm not God, amen? amen. <laughs> thank God you're not God. <laughs> thank God that God's God, and we can't figure it out how the one who hates sin the most loves sinners the most. That's our God that we serve. So thank God for this. Thank God for this Psalm that we. At least I don't like <laughs> First Samuel thirteen. David was a man after God's own heart. In case I don't get to say this, and I, I forget to say it. It's almost, it would almost have been better if David would have stayed a shepherd instead of a king. And uh, so many applications made to that. Paul said, it's not even wise for some people to desire to be in the ministry. There's a verse that says that. That's Pastor Luke. He'll, he'll confirm that. <laughs> Paul said that uh, some people shouldn't desire to be in the ministry. Not because that's a bad thing. But because when a leader falls, a whole bunch of people fall. And uh, some people <coughs> shouldn't get into leadership simply because they don't have it together. They will fall. <laughs> it's obvious that some people, you don't want them to be spiritual leaders because you, you already know they ain't gonna, they're going to mess up and they're going to hurt somebody. They're gonna, but the best of us can do it. I can make a list. I can make a list of the best preachers there are who've done it, who've, who've fallen into sin. Maybe not David's sin but they have fallen, so. Uh, so David perhaps would have been better off being a, being <laughs> a shepherd uh, and uh, so that uh, he wouldn't have taken down so many people with him, but that wasn't the case, okay, but the <laughs> first thing we see here is David knew the God of grace, so he knew the grace of God, and I'll go to Psalm 51 and, and read that for us, I think it's up there, but Says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You know, it's a it's a blessed thing to first of all know Jesus as our Savior. And I've said this, everybody's been to the youth camp, the college class has heard me say this. One of the uh one of the results, sorry to say negative, there's nothing negative about being saved as a child. But one of the results of being saved when you're a child, every sin you do will be as a Christian. Every sin you do will be, a, be as a Christian. And the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So thank God we get that for those who get saved at a young age. But you know, it's a terrible thing as a Christian to sin. It's a terrible thing to, to know the grace of God and sin. It's a terrible thing to know the Bible and sin. That's why we get so upset with ourselves. That's why Paul said, what's wrong with me? And when I want to do good, evil's present with me. That's why I get so upset with myself. And uh, uh some of you think I need to see a co- psychologist. I know, but people say, "Oh, you got to love yourself." <coughs> I, I'm sorry, I just can't love myself. If that's if that creates a problem with you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't love myself. I don't like myself. Because I'm I know to do right, and I just don't do right. But thank God I know one who does love me, and that's all that counts. And thank God that that he's in love with me, and uh, everything's okay. I don't have to love myself, and and if you want me to love myself, I love myself. That that makes you feel better. So you won't say I'm some kind of fruitcake. (laughs) But the beautiful thing is, when we know Jesus, we know his grace. We know that we can confess and he'll forgive. So David knew the grace of, he knew the God of grace, so he knew the grace of God. He cried out. And, uh, you know, he should have done it sooner. And uh, it took a preacher to preach to David before David would come clean. It took a preacher to preach to him. Some of you in this room, you wouldn't come clean if we didn't preach to you. <coughs> We're preaching. and It took preaching for me to come clean. And takes preaching for us, so we has to preach to us. So David got preached to by Nathan, and uh, and David wrote this beautiful psalm in 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 relation to that. I'm glad God inspired David to write that. So David, next bullet, David acknowledges his sin and God's holiness, verses three through four. For I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever. Before me that 's what repentance is by the way. repentance is acknowledging our sin in god 's holiness, so we could talk on the lesson about repentance all day, but uh, when when we repent, we realize that we 've sinned and uh, last night, I was witnessing to a man and <coughs> he pulled the uh, I, I said "If you die, you know for sure you go to heaven i didn't I just met the man, but <coughs> I already knew he had some problems, <laughs> but he gave the standard answer, yeah, I know I'm going to go to heaven. I thought he was going to tell me he was saved, and I asked the next question, let me ask you how you know you're going to go to heaven. I'm a good person. I'm good at heart. And I said, well, I don't mean to contradict you, but uh, you probably aren't a good person, and, there's, only and <coughs> there's no one good, and then I started mentioning some of my sins. I said, I know I'm not good. I've smoked, I've drank, I've gotten high. You've probably done those things too. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the guy trying to convince me he's good. And I called his hand at it. And he had to, but he got the message. He got it. He understood what I was telling. And he said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. He, I was amazed that he prayed that after me saying that to him. So David acknowledged his, his sin, he repented. Acknowledge God's uh, holiness. Then next, David realized he wasn't all that. We talked about that in one lesson. In verse number five, David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David, the, like I said, he, when he was a shepherd, he knew he wasn't all that. When he was a shepherd, he was a humble servant. God used him. He slew the giant. He wrote all those beautiful psalms. He did right when Saul was trying to kill him. But when he was made king, he just it went to his head. And he got the I'm, I'm all that attitude. He thought he could get away with sin that others couldn't get away. He thought he could get away with sin that he already wrote about. He, <laughs> he wrote about not doing the same thing that he did. He wrote about this holy God. He walked with this holy God. And, and he still sinned. Let me clarify one thing here. Uh, David was not sealed by the Holy Spirit like we are. He had the Holy Spirit, but Christians were sealed with the Holy Spirit. David didn't have the entire Bible. We have the entire Bible. Shame on us when we do when we sin, because <coughs> again, we know the do right. We have everything to keep us from it, but we still do it. May not to the depth of David. Maybe there's some in here who've sinned to the depth of David since you've been saved. The good news is uh, this psalm is the good news. (laughs) The next next bullet, David pleads for God's grace. He pleads for God's grace. He's acknowledged that God is merciful. He's confessed his sin and then he pleads for God's grace. What a picture of soul winning right here. What a, uh, we could use the Psalm 51 road instead of the Romans road. Great picture of salvation, but David's a person who <coughs> was the man after God's own heart, getting right <laughs> uh, getting right with God. The Bible r- reminds us so much we could talk about, but we must go on. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's what we need when we backslide, even though it's impossible for a Christian the backslide we use that term that's what that's what we we need to do when we're not walking with Jesus and when we and when we've uh, grieved the Holy Spirit cast me not away from thy presence take not the Holy Spirit from me as a Christian we don't have to pray that because God's not going to take his Holy Spirit we're sealed by the Holy Spirit but we can certainly pray say this next verse restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And we need our joy restored, don't we? And, and David said, restore the joy of your salvation. It's your salvation, God. Give me that, give me that joy back. So David pleads for God's grace. And then lastly, thank God, David received God's grace. So how do you know, Pastor Mike, that David received God's grace? Well, <coughs> so many places in the Bible, number one, he wrote all the rest of the Psalms that he wrote after this. <laughs> and then the, the Bible tells us in the, in the following verses, Isaiah 9-7, that Jesus is going to come and sit on the throne of David. Now, again, if I had been God, I would have changed it to somebody else's name because David messed up. He blew it too badly. He sinned too greatly. But no, God forgave him, and God kept his promise that Jesus would come and sit on the throne of David, the Davidic covenant. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. So, yes, David received this grace from God, and God forgave him. And then notice what Paul said. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. David understood that. And David understood that (coughs) I have nothing to bring, God, except my my sorrow, my, my repentance, and, and uh, asking you to help me. Then I'll say this, and we'll play a song. Is reading the Old Testament, after David's sin, you'll find this so many times. God would say about other kings, they were not perfect as my servant David was. He is not perfect as my servant David was. That's grace, isn't it? That is grace. So this song, an old song. But when I heard this song, first time I was pastoring up in Washington, I'd been saved for, I guess, 20 years, somewhere around there. And I said, "That whoever wrote that, talk to me. So listen to this song. It's a, it's a few minutes l- long, but we're not going to play the whole thing. But just listen to this. Is, if I told you my testimony, this would be it. This, was, this would be Dav- David's testimony also.
1: I thought the devil was, was a, a friend, friend of mine. I turned my back on everything I long on to use. People gotta learn the hard way. I'm the kind of guy who got to find out for myself. I had to learn. I to learn the hard way. I'm the kind of guy who had to find out for myself. I had to learn the hard way, Father.
0: All right, anybody else here had to learn the hard way? I had to learn the hard way. and Thank God when I was 24, I finally gave it to God's way. And uh, even since then, I've had to learn some things the hard way. Okay, then our last example today is the nation of Israel. I'll read uh, those great verses for you. The one <coughs> If anybody here, many of you have gotten cards for my wife, you've already got a you had this verse in your card, in verse 11, but Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, perform my good word toward you, and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Anybody who knows the book of Jeremiah, when we get to that verse, it blows our mind that God would tell these wicked people, these heathen people, these people that worship idols, that worship the queen of heaven, that rebelled against God, that God would say, I'm going to bring you out of captivity, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to bless you, and when you pray to me, I'm going to answer you. Again, only God would do that. Uh, you and I certainly wouldn't have that kind of, kind of grace. Yet it just upsets me when people accuse the God of the Old Testament of not having grace. They don't know the God of the Old Testament, do they? They don't know the God that we know in the Bible. What wonderful grace. brings us back to one of our earlier texts, Romans 5.20. For sin did abound, grace did much more abound. If anybody shows that picture, it's Israel. They abounded with sin. And God's grace was always there. So you know this. We'll just go through it quickly. Number one, they provoked. First bullet, they provoked God with their wickedness. Deuteronomy 32, 16. We see the, the wickedness of these people. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods and abominations. And the next verse, Judges 2:11. And the children of Israel did evil inside the Lord and served Baal. Could you imagine this? The people who had the true God. Would serve Baal? Psalm 106, verse 43. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Uh, and then Isaiah 1, 4. The Bible says that all you sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they've forsaken the Lord, they provoked the Holy One of Israel. And then look what God says in verse number 18. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. If God wasn't a merciful God, he would not have reasoned with them, that's for sure. But God said, Come, let's talk this over, and I'll have mercy. Next bullet, God delivered them, but they doubted God. God delivered them. Exodus chapter 12, verse 27, the whole Passover was the picture of how God came and delivered them from slavery in Egypt where they had been for 400 years. God delivered them, and then we find the next verse that they doubted God. In verse chapter sixteen, verse three. They said, "Would to God we've been better off back in Egypt." And I've actually talked to Christians who thought they would be better off before they were Christians. They'd been better off for, before they gave their life to Christ. That was a, that was the same with Israel. God delivered them, but they doubted God. They would. As I read this, it's almost like a commentary on the Christian life. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like we're repeating the same thing that they did. God provided their needs, but they complained. Numbers 11.1. 1. God gave them everything they needed. Kept them clothed for 40 years. Gave them food. Gave them water. Gave them bread. Gave them quail. And yet they, they still complain. What a merciful God. Next bullet, though, they called on God in their trouble, and God gave them grace. Psalm 81.7. seven says so when, when they were in trouble, they called on God, and God delivered them. Isaiah 26.16. They were in trouble, they called on God, and God delivered them. We talked about last week why Christians suffer. Sometimes God lets us get in trouble because the truth of the matter is, Many of us would not call on God if we weren't in trouble. Many of us would not get our lives straightened out if we were not in trouble. We wouldn't read the Bible. We wouldn't pray. We wouldn't come to church. But nothing like a a good old financial reversal to get us on our knees. Nothing like hearing the word cancer to get us on our knees. Nothing like having uh, our jobs taken away or our health taken away to get us on our knees. Thank God for trouble because the person who knows the grace of God, we know where to go when we're in trouble. And most of us stay right with God because we go to God in trouble. God gave them grace, the Bible says, for his name's sake. This will be a lesson in itself. 1 Samuel 12, God said, don't think that I'm doing this for your wicked selves. I'm doing this for my holy self. I'm doing this for my name's sake. Uh, so God said, "I'm going to I'm going to forgive you and deliver you because I'm the one who promised that I'm going to do this." God did it for His name's sake. Psalm one oh six eight says the same thing. Isaiah forty eight nine. God said, "I'm doing it for my name's sake." Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. You're wicked, but I'm forgiving you for my name's sake. And and. This is such a great uh, help to us to live for God, is we need to live for God for his name's sake. It's not Mike Robinette's name that's at stake. It's God's name that's at stake. So sometimes, you know, we're worried about, oh, I'll lose my reputation. Or I think if I sin, I'll let people down. No, if I blow it, it's for God's name's sake. So that'll do a whole lot to keep us walking with the Lord, won't it? And then, lastly, most beautiful part of all of God working in Israel, God gave them grace for the world's sake. You and I would not be going to heaven had God not had grace on Israel. God had grace on Israel because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And I picked a couple verses out here about Jesus' genealogy. If you're wondering what it has to do with anything, Jesus came. From the children of Israel. Uh, Jesus came from the seed of Abraham. And Jesus came and died on the cross. And the Bible says in Galatians 4.4. 4, that in the fullness of time God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Uh, who came from the nation of Israel. Thank you God for loving the world so much. That you'd have grace. And I have to make one application. You know why God has grace on you and I? Because there's a lost world that needs to hear about Jesus, and so when I sin, I, I, I guess I'm known to be a soul winner. But I promise you, that if it's up to me, I would not be a soul winner because I would have I would have sinned away my grace, I would have blown it. But I go to God because I know that God wants to use me to tell someone about Jesus. That's why we can't stay in our sin, my friend. That's why. <laughs> That's why we can't stay cold. That's why we can't live with sin in our life. Your neighbors need to know about Jesus, and you won't tell them if you've got sin in your life. Your coworkers need to know about Jesus, and you won't do it if you're not walking with God. The world needs to hear about Jesus, and I won't do it if I'm not walking with God. Thank God for His grace, amen? amen. Say, Lord, I don't deserve it. As a matter of fact, I've told God this week, there's no reason why you should... He'll let me do anything, and then God remind me of that homeless man in the park who was crying last night when I led him to the Lord. Thank God for his grace, thank God for his grace. That's Pastor Luke. he was the most excited today, so I'm glad I him to dismiss us in prayer. <laughs>